Stay quiet when you're alone in the dark. I'm not the type of doctor that usually gets emergency calls from patients, so I was definitely confused when my latest contacted me in the middle of the night and begged me to see him right away. He seemed sincere enough that I told him I'd meet him at my office. That groggy, half-awake choice is the only reason my family is still alive. While I was putting on my clothes and trudging out to the car, I tried to remember everything I could about Anton. When he'd first come to us, he'd been deaf for about eight years due to an auto accident, so he was perfect for the trials. Of the 20 patients who'd undergone ear nerve regeneration therapy, he'd been the first to begin hearing again. He'd been so happy the last few weeks. I had no idea what could have gone wrong. I was so preoccupied that I didn't even notice the streetlights were out. When I arrived at my office, he was already standing there at the far corner of the parking lot, nervously scanning the area. Cast in white by my headlights, he frantically waved his arms horizontally to get me to turn my car off, and then wordlessly insisted I hurry and unlock the door to the building. I was concerned, but I'd never known him to be violent or on drugs, so I got out my keys, held myself a bit guarded away from him, and opened the door. He slipped past me on the left as I entered, nearly knocking me aside before he took a position behind the floor-to-ceiling glass wall and continued peering out into the night. His behavior more than warranted comment. Anton, are you in danger? We should call the police. He began to exclaim, No! But cut himself off harshly after the initial nuh sound and went bug-eyed. After another hurried scan out the window, he turned to me and whispered, No police. They can't help. Attempting to control his anxiety and help him focus, I held out an arm and led him into my office. Sitting down in a familiar setting by yellow lamplight appeared to help him, but he shook his head when I went to turn on the bright white overheads. Acquiescing, I sat behind my desk and let him explain himself. Doctor, he said with emphasis, as if my title was the whole reason he was coming to me. I've been hearing things. Despite my best effort, I let slip a micro-expression of confusion. Anton widened his eyes and hurriedly elaborated. I I know that's the whole point of the treatment, and I've been very happy with my progress so far. You guys have been great. The whole team. It's just that... There's something more going on. Last week, uh... Last week, I began to hear this absurd, crazy choir of whistling, like constant wind chimes during the day. That was not a good sign. A flaw in the nerve regeneration process could create problems for our funding and for the other patients. Perhaps some form of tinnitus. No, no, he countered. They were real sounds. It was super annoying, and I spent all Sunday afternoon tracking it down until I finally found it. A bunch of people were blowing whistles at the dog park. 
I frowned. Some sort of protest? No. Dog whistles. I could hear the dog whistles. At that, I sat up a little taller in my seat. An unexpected discovery in the process could create quite the opposite of problems for our funding. You could hear dog whistles. You're certain. He nodded, clearly relieved that I was believing him so far. Uh, We can run tests to confirm, but that's fantastic. Not only has your normal hearing been restored, but your range of frequencies... Yes, he said in a sudden, emphatic whisper. Hearing the dog bark is one thing, but it didn't stop there. All week, it got worse. Damn. I got out a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Go on. Encouraged by that, he leaned forward in his chair and gripped the edge of my desk. I first began to hear them on Monday. The Monday a few nights ago. Yes. I didn't know what it was, but I chalked it up to my better hearing and tried to ignore it that first night. The longer I lay there in bed, the more the sounds began to come into focus. It was like this muffled, wiggling sound coming from outside, but when I opened the window, I couldn't be sure if it was louder. I wrote it down, but remained uncertain. It continued to get worse after that. He ran a hand along his unkempt hair and sighed with relief at finally having his anxieties heard. Yeah, never during the day, never when there's music playing or people around or the television left on. It's it's always at night when I'm alone. Feeling comes over me like my body telling me I'm in danger for no reason and then I begin to hear it. It's rapid back and forth swishing sound but dampened somehow like it's coming from far away or or at least it's far away until I make noise until you make a noise you think these sounds are responding to you somehow I know they are he insisted quietly they're swimming around out there looking for prey like any living thing would be See, that's what I figured out tonight, and that's why I called you. After spending every night all week listening to it, I finally got it. I'm hearing swimming sounds. They're all different, too. Pulsing octopus, some fish, maybe, sharks. Other ocean things that I hear when I finally sleep, when I dream. Things all screwed up and horrifying with screams and calls that would make you shiver for the rest of your life. I looked a bunch up on Wikipedia, but the sight of them... As he trailed off into visible rising anxiety, I stopped writing and held up a hand. Whoa. Anton, let's just take it a step back. If you think you're hearing swimming sea life, where's the ocean? He slowly raised his head to look at me straight in the eyes. Behind his irises, a dark glare of sprouting madness burned. It's all around us, Doc. I began to reach for my phone, but he drew a long knife from under his shirt and held it forward. Breathing hard, he whisper shouted, Don't you do it. You hear me out, I'm not crazy. 
I tried to tell my friends. I tried to tell my folks. Everyone thinks I'm nuts. Just listen to me. This was the first time a patient of mine had ever gotten violent, but I knew the procedures. Okay, Anton. I'll listen. You just bring the stress level in here down a bit and lower that knife. I lifted them carefully, eyeing him for signs of quick movement. Here's my reasoning, doctor. He finally continued, returning to calmer and more formal speech. I hear things swimming by all the time now. I try to stay where it's loud. The noise wards them off like animals avoiding a boat. I I went to a concert. I left the TV on. You know that feeling that you get when you're all alone and you just want to run? Like something's chasing you out of the dark and you need background noise to feel safer? I gulped down an unhappy knot. Yeah? It's them, he whispered. They are out there. But you see, I've got a problem now. That lamp on your desk, it's got batteries, right? A small yellow lamp had been a gift. Yes. The rest of the world doesn't have batteries. Power's out in Los Angeles, New York, and here. They're coming for us. Power was out. I hadn't even noticed because he'd shaken his head when I tried to turn on the overheads. There's no music, he said with rising fear. There's no television to leave on. They're swimming freely all over the city. They're closer than ever, and I have no way to avoid them. He turned his head as if listening to some nearby noise. None of us do. They'll hear us. Something occurred to me that I figured might just save my life. Wait, so you hear wiggling sounds when you're alone and it's quiet? Yeah. He seemed momentarily hopeful at my question. <laughs> it's, it's your ears, I laughed. It all made sense. If your hearing's gotten that good, then when there's no other sources of sound, you're hearing the microscopic life in your ear canal. He froze as his anxiety found an avenue for explosive decompression. Oh. He stared at me for a moment. Like, super tiny things? Yeah, I said, smiling at him as he lowered the knife. Anton, you're gonna be fine. We'll figure out a way to dull your hearing a little so you don't have to hear them. Everyone's got tiny little bugs on them, visible with only a microscope. They can't hurt you. But his anxiety didn't fall away completely. I don't know. Sure sounds like I'm underwater and the things are swimming all around me. I lifted the knife again. Where would there be an ocean? I asked him. We're in San Francisco. We're not deep underwater in some ocean filled with nightmare things. Come on. Shout. Go on. Take a yell. Kick the false terror to the curb. I want to. I, I, I just do it. Be the good man I know you are. 
Unsure of what to do, he half smiled, half frowned, and then gave a weak yell of defiance. Good, I told him. Again, come on, yell. Damn things, he said louder. I needed him to see that we were safe. Yell, yell, Anton. Damn things, you're not real, he shouted at the top of his lungs. I'm not afraid of... The next part has taken me a couple of days to piece together memory by memory. There was an explosion of some sort, but lacking fire. The floor ceiling seemed to implode into each other, sending wood, brick, and glass shrapnel in every direction. My desk took much of the blast, but obviously since I'm still in the hospital, I didn't escape unscathed. Anton disappeared in an instant among the debris, but as I stumbled out the destroyed front half of the building, I saw no blood of any kind. He'd been entirely consumed. Staggering to my car in the parking lot, I turned and had one good solid look at the aftermath. I'd been wrong. He hadn't been hearing microscopic life in his ear canals. I knew I was wrong, because before the rest of the building collapsed from the strain, I saw the shape of the attack that had done it. It was like looking at an apple after a bite. Absolutely and undeniably the result of a massive, unseen jaws, big enough to take out half a two-story building in one crunch. He was right. They are out there. And we are being pursued by unseen creatures in the night. When you're alone. When it's quiet. When you get that feeling to run and hide and stay silent. Listen to it. Just listen to it. You'll never even know. Surveillance is a growing fact of life these days, but I now believe we've expanded the scope of human sight to dangerous levels. I'm not a master hacker by any means, but I was definitely able to Google a script to break into my neighbor's new smart home system. Believe me when I say that ignorance is bliss and that you can never go back once you know the truth. I'm not some creep. The idea first started as a random thought when I heard my 50-something neighbor bragging to someone else on his porch about his new smart home system. He gleaned the security system and all the devices in his house were wired to the same voice command box, and he sounded rather proud of it. Claimed it was perfect security. Of course, after overhearing a claim like that floating through my open window, I made a single search and found a dozen hits for scripts that would break into the brand he described. I laughed to myself, and then left it at that. But temptation has a funny way of lurking in the back of your mind. Every few days, the thought would randomly pop into my head. I had the power. Why not take a peek? It'd be a good laugh, if nothing else. It's not like he would have installed cameras in his bathrooms or anything. 
No. No. Uh, maybe? No, I shouldn't. But then spring break arrived, and while sitting at my computer, I happened to glance out the window and see the neighbor's daughter coming home from college. The temptation to use the script had already been percolating in me for weeks. The veins in my extremities constricted painfully as I realized I was actually going to do it. During my brief glimpse down into their yard, I'd seen what looked like a startlingly attractive girl, and I couldn't connect that image to the weird girl next door I'd last seen in high school. It wasn't a creeper thing. I just wanted a better look to understand what I'd seen. I told myself I'd take one quick look and then be done with it. While loading up the script, I promised myself I'd delete it right after. Yeah, that was the right thing to do. No harm done, and if I got caught somehow, I could just claim it was a one-time accident. It sounded reasonable. A black window scrolled texts down my screen rapidly for six seconds. And then... I was in. Nerves thrilling, I watched breathlessly through a security camp feed in the living room as the girl came in, greeted her brother and father, and then headed upstairs. It was definitely the same girl I remembered, and she'd definitely gotten absurdly pretty in the last year somehow. After settling into certainty, I closed the feed, deleted the script, and then spent a paranoid hour cleaning my computer of any evidence of what I'd done. For maybe a week, I sat at home terrified that the police would break down my door and tase me at any moment, but that's the funny thing about temptation. When no consequences followed, the urge to look began eating away at me again. I had a few drinks one lonely night and then went for it before I could change my mind. The son was watching television in the living room. I couldn't see what he was watching from the angle of the camera in the living room, but he seemed zoned out. My neighbor himself was in the kitchen working on his laptop. Again, I couldn't see what he was doing from my angle, but he was certainly downing coffee as he worked. My pulse quickened as a hallway feed caught the daughter going from her room to the bathroom in just a towel to take a shower. Okay, borderline creepish, I told myself, but it's not like I could see in the bathrooms or the bedrooms, right? Just to confirm that I couldn't, I tried the various devices around the house that the neighbor had connected to his system. Most were named with random numbers and letters, but I did find that household devices had many more sensors than we give them credit for. A microwave in the kitchen had some sort of crude light sensor, and the system sent me its data at an incredibly blurry video feed. A big blob of darkness moved in place in front of a bright rectangle of light, and I realized I was looking at my neighbor on his laptop from a different angle. In fact, many devices in the house had crude light sensors or audio pickups, and I could hear the shower running upstairs on one while listening to the sun show on another. This was all proceeding as one might expect, and 
I might have gone down a very dark path if I hadn't stumbled upon the unthinkable. One of the devices, with a very long and very random name, showed me a blurry feed somewhere unrecognizable. I switched back and forth, comparing the patterns of light from the cameras, but this device seemed to be looking out on somewhere altogether different. Was it the basement? It was darker than the others, but not too dark to obscure strange gray blurs moving on black. I kept switching until I found a security camera near a basement window. It was the only one down there, but it showed enough that I could compare blurs. It was less that the objects were moving, and more that the fuzzy sensor made the objects appear to move simply because it was so bad, but I pinpointed a poster, a chair, and a mirror before coming to an impasse with the final blur. This one I could only see on the sensor. There was nothing on the video feed. Peering closer and closer, I tried to make sense of the blob of gray and white pixels as it moved around the basement. There and there, recognizable landmarks among the junk, but no sign of it on the high-res camera. What was I seeing? Was the sensor just defective? What device was it even part of? I managed to narrow it down to a forgotten digital clock that must have been running on batteries. But nothing about this made sense. I looked up a script to sharpen video data and I let everything run all night. In the morning, I pulled myself up, got a coffee, sat down at my computer, and then froze. Repeatedly, I played the confusing horror the script had produced. The blur of gray and shadows had become coherent, but not in an, any natural way. Instead, it appeared that I was looking at an androgynous gray humanoid form with a pillowcase over her head. Since this was just a graphical best guess, the glitchy movement brought out severe unease and disgust in me as I watched her jerkily walk around the basement. She appeared to be able to navigate, despite the pillowcase covering her face, and she even made it up a few steps toward the basement door before her random movements took her back down. What the hell was I seeing? For two days, I watched that thing stumble around my neighbor's basement before she finally went all the way up the stairs. For two days, I watched that thing stumble around my neighbor's basement before she finally went all the way up the stairs. It was four in the morning, and all three of them were asleep. This time, she seemed to move with purpose. She was still not visible on any high-resolution camera, but I tracked her from sensor to sensor by her twitching blur. After so long watching her unfocused form, I was beginning to get a sense of where her legs and arms were by the movement and patterns of the gray. Each limb moved as if on a different conflicting joints. When she walked, it was as if her ankles, knees, and thighs each wanted to go in opposite directions, and the conflict was only resolved by odd rotations and strange body angles. Gripped by the terror, I watched her slowly ratchet her way through the kitchen and toward the second set of stairs. There was no doubt in my mind that she was heading for the bedrooms. My knuckles went white as I gripped the edge of my table. 
Finally, she clambered up and out of the sensors. I panicked. She still was invisible on the hallway camera, but I knew I had to do something. But what? If I called the house, they'd have my phone number, and they would start asking questions as to why I'd called at four in the morning. There was no way I could pretend it was random. The only reason I even had my neighbor's cell phone number was that I'd heard him say it out loud the week before on one of my feeds. What could I do? Desperate to act, or to at least see what was happening, I left my computer and crept to a window in another room. From here, I could see into my neighbor's daughter's window, and my entire body ran with prickly terror as I spied a strange, gray, anti-glow in her room. The sharpening script had not been wrong. It had merely been inadequate. My eyes still interpreted the inexplicable entity as an androgynous humanoid with a pillowcase over its head, but it moved through the space of the girl's room like a depressed carving etched into the reality itself. I could feel why it didn't show up on cameras. It was something otherworldly, something not entirely there, or something visible only as an artifact or organic human perception. This was a creature outside the realm of human knowledge and observation, and I guessed that I was making its move now only because it believed itself to be unseen. It jerked and twitched forward to lean over the neighbor's daughter as she slept. Quickly and quietly, I slid open my window, removed the screen, and threw a quarter at the glass panes opposite. I ducked down immediately and clutched the floor in abject terror. The rap noise had been excruciatingly loud. Had the entity snapped its pillowcase-covered head toward the sound? Had it seen me? I had no way of knowing. Or did I? Crawling back to my room, I checked the feeds. Apparently completely unperturbed by my noise, the entity had begun ratcheting her way back down the stairs. It was not fleeing to the basement. I watched as it approached the small table by the front door and began going through the mail stacked there. Carefully picked down one envelope and crumpled it into oblivion in a blurry gray hand. And it moved to the kitchen where it touched the keyboard on my neighbor's laptop repeatedly for nearly a minute. What was it doing? It returned to the basement to move in lurking circles, and I sat and stared at it, half awake until a shout from both my computer and my open window jolted me to full awareness. It had been my neighbor in his kitchen. He'd yelled loud enough for me to hear it for real. Stalking back and forth while talking on the phone, he was insisting he hadn't sent any compromising emails. He'd been fired from his job. In the front hall, his son was busy looking through the pile of mail. He asked his sister and father repeatedly if any college acceptance letters had come in, but his father was too busy arguing on the phone and his sister hadn't seen any. But I had. What type of entity were we dealing with here? It hadn't physically harmed anyone, but it was still lurking in their home every hour of every day, and it had made invisible moves against them by sabotaging my neighbor's job and his son's college career. At long last, my neighbor seemed to convince the other end that his account had been hacked. 
but he was somber and concerned about how it would reflect on him at work. The son continued on with his day, oblivious to the fact that his acceptance letter had come in and been destroyed. It was then that I began to think about the timeline of what had happened. I'd resisted the urge to spy on my neighbor's family for weeks. Indeed, beyond that, he'd lived there for years. If the entity had been in his basement this entire time, then perhaps they were not physically at risk. There had been plenty of opportunities to hurt them directly. No, this was... this was something else. This was a specter of misfortune, a curse, an information parasite. My neighbor had not been particularly unlucky as far as I knew, not until... Not until he'd gotten the surveillance system. A bunch of little complaints I'd heard him make suddenly began to add up. Things had been inexplicably going wrong for everyone in his family recently. Alarm clocks had been failing to go off at the proper time, emails and texts had been a bit weird, and each of the three members of the household had a general growing frustration with life. It was undermining them. It was literally lurking in the basement, lurking out of sight, and sabotaging them. And they had no idea. But where had the entity come from? Almost all of the devices and cameras had been there before. The only difference was that they'd been integrated. Did observation have an effect on the physical universe? I was no quantum physics expert, but I knew that observation was a crucial part of existence. Did overlapping connected layers of observation somehow enable this entity to slide into our world? When you put all the pieces together... Did the whole add up to more than the sum of the parts? I began thinking up a plan of action that involved sneaking over there and turning off all their devices in hopes of banishing the entity in their basement, but as I did so, I looked down and to the left at my cell phone. It sat quietly, glowing on the table, for I had moved my hand above it and activated its motion sensor. Then I looked up and noticed the webcam above my monitor that I always kept pointed at myself. Then I looked right, my television itself containing a sensor, and the gaming console beside it also had sensors to detect my motion. Microphones. Cameras. Everywhere. I'd applied for so many internships last summer and got none. I'd missed dates and lost budding relationships because of texting troubles. Everything had felt hard and difficult lately, thus why I was sitting alone on my computer most nights. I sat without breathing for nearly 20 seconds. There would be no plan. There would be no action taken. My neighbors would have to fend for themselves. I let out my breath put my hands back on my mouse and keyboard and loaded up a computer game. It would look like I'd given up. To anyone watching. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the first two stories of November. 
it's crazy to think that we're already in November. I feel like this year, these past couple years, honestly, since COVID happened, have just kind of blurred together for me personally. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed both of the stories. I really enjoyed both of them. I think the second one was a little more psychological, while the first one was, I suppose, psychological in a way, but it was also a monster story at the end there. Both were really, really well written. Really, really fun reads, though. Let me know which one you liked more in the comments section down below. And while you're down there, also, let me know what you did for Halloween. Um, I know it was two or three days ago at the time of this video going out. So, down in the comment section below, let me know what you did for Halloween. Did you go out? Did you stay in? Did you give out candy? Did you just watch some scary movies? Did you do nothing? Um, my partner and I, we stayed in. We don't have any kids in our neighborhood. Just a bunch of old folks. So we stayed in. Uh, we watched Supernatural. Just happened to be on a Halloween episode. Um, so it was really good timing on our part. We've been rewatching that lately. We've been wanting something spooky since October started. So we started that. Happened to get a Halloween episode on Halloween. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so let me know what you did. Did you give out candy? Did you go take someone out trick-or-treating? Whatever it was, I'd love to hear it. And also, give me a recommendation for a good scary movie. I haven't heard or haven't watched one in a long time. Uh, finally, I want to give a quick thanks to everyone you see on screen right now. These are our $5 patrons and members. They keep the channel running, and I really, really appreciate them. If you want to get your name... Um, shown at the end of a video you can be a five dollar patron or member uh, you can do that on patreon or you can become a member here on youtube if you don't have that much to give a month you can do one dollar a month and get videos uh, a day in advance that sounds like something you want to do thank you all so much for listening thank you to everyone on screen again for the continued support I hope you all had a wonderful holiday and uh, can't wait to see what november has in store for us Take care, everyone, and as always, stay safe.